Tip Manor. Hello, welcome to Tip Manor oh, podcast. I couldn't even get my words out then. <laughs> great start. Fucking great start. Uh, this uh, is an cool. Oxford United, an Oxford United podcast brought to you. I want to say from Yorkshire, but that'd be lying. Partly from Yorkshire. From today, it's from Leeds, York, Derby, and Northern Ireland. And, that fast uh, to be specific. Right. Okay, well, there's some clues in there on who's on. Connor, how you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Very well. Very, very happy. I'm in a very good mood. Absolutely. So, I, I'm. It's nice. I think we've picked a very good season to start doing a podcast, haven't we? Yeah, we've picked the perfect season. We we, we couldn't really write this, could we? It's been no. most episodes have been pretty pretty happy, which is you know it's only a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, Ben, how you doing, mate? Yeah. You're back on. Very good. Very very fun day out yesterday. Very long day, but well worth it. Of course. I forgot you went. <laughs> I did. Amazing. It's one of those where it's it's actually quite a mission. John had previously said on other pods it's really easy to get to from Leeds. It's not that easy, is it? It's no, still like three hours or something. Yeah, by the time you've changed in Manchester, it's three hours and it's a fairly long day. But yeah, I, th- I feared. I feared for it at one point, two 0 down, that it was just going to be one of those where you're like, "I'm so glad I didn't go." But it <laughs> turned out all right in the end. Oh, unbelievable! The limbs. Ben, Absolutely, Ben. Don't don't Ben. Don't spoil it. People don't know <sighs> yeah. what happened. Sorry, We're going to talk sorry. about it now. Be quiet. Shush. Cut yeah, that Connor's out. right. Yeah, people don't actually follow the game. They just rely on us to give but, them the lowdown yeah. on how. Yeah. Right. Shush. Yeah. Uh, Jack, you're back on as well. How you doing, bud? Yeah, not too bad. Um, all moved house, just sat on the final box to record this, but getting there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so today, uh, obviously, we're going to chat about the Shrewsbury or Shrewsbury game. Uh, we'll we'll wrap up what's gone on across League One, and then we'll preview MK Dons. And because that doesn't sound like a long agenda, maybe we'll be done in under an hour. But we all know that's just not going to happen. Uh, Right, news time. The news. Oh crap, I bet I guess I'm newsman today. There's no John, right? John is in um, DC and we put something on our Twitter account actually because he went to the uh, DC United Stadium that Eric Forhear, have I said his name right? Forhear? Forhear. Forhear. I I, I, I just say Thor. Thor. That's right. Okay. Well, there you go. Go Listeners listeners know what we're talking about. Mr. T, that'll do. Um, Yeah, he's gone to that stadium. It's 20,000 capacity and it looks it looks decent it looks unique let's say and it's got it seems to have kind of a terraced stand behind one of the goals it looks decent but maybe i think he had to step down from the board didn't he because um of a conflict and interest he was given some minister role in indonesia so just couldn't have any business um conflicts or something like that i don't know but so maybe he can still be involved from a funding perspective and still wants to buy us a nice shiny stadium and then give it to us what do we reckon? It would be nice. Yeah, just, <laughs> well, bank, when John, on it. No, when John's back next week anyway, I'm sure he can talk about it. They were playing Beckham's um, Inter-Miami team. I don't have a clue what the score was because no one actually cares. Anyway. I knew it was 1-1 at one point. 
but then I okay. stopped following it. So both teams scored. So he, he saw some goals, put it that way. Good. Goals. Soccer goals. <laughs> soccer goals. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway. say that again. It was, our listeners gone. <laughs> it was a little bit of a slow news week, but Connor, are we giving a, a big shout out to your dad? 57th we birthday to, to the legend that is Nick Penfold. Do you want to say some he words? Is, he is a legend. He's been, he's been, especially an Oxford legend. Anyway, he's been following the club for over forty-five years. That deserves a shout out, in my opinion. I don't care whether it's my dad or not. Anyone who supported the team for that long deserves a bit of credit. So, yeah. fair play, Dad. And, Hats off to you. And if it was, go on. I was going to say, Annie was obviously Ollie the Ox. If if listeners yeah. didn't, weren't aware of that, so. yeah, 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 My, yeah. He was Ollie the Ox for oh, fourteen seasons, I think. So did it for a long time. And if it wasn't for him, then I certainly wouldn't be supporting Oxford. So I owe him that at least. So yeah. There you go. Happy birthday, Pops. Great age, Nick. Um, five minute fan forum with uh who was it this week? It was with Mr. Mac or Niall, whatever we want to call him. It was a bit of a dry one, like not much coming out of it there was brand new news I guess but he, he talked about how the money that came in from the Baptiste and Fosu deals wasn't really needed to balance the books and it was more done for business reasons um, he was confident that there'll be a good sum of money available in the summer for Carl to spend on the team and then he talked about the fact that we're already really busy in terms of recruitment in terms of like identifying potential players that we'd be interested in this will come up again later on in the pod when we I think we asked the question, I guess there was a post Shrewsbury in the interview with BBC Oxford, Carl was asked about if there, were, there was any progression in terms of conversations with the board on you know ambitions and that type of thing, as per what we've discussed in previous pods. And I guess, you know, Jack, do you think KR's got to be involved in the recruitment side of what's going on and they must be considering if we're still in league one here's some realistic targets if we manage to get to the championship here's some other realistic targets that we could be going after and that type of thing yeah you you would hope there's a uh, kind of three-pronged plan depending on what happens but um compared to what mr mac said to what carl said there seems to be a bit of a gap in um things balancing up there um KR seemed to suggest that there hasn't been a meeting, whereas Mr. Mack was suggesting things are kind of already happening. So yeah. I don't know if that's a KR being caught in the moment, you know, after a kind of emotional roller coaster of a game. Um, I did think Nathan was setting him up a little bit by bringing, bringing that question to him after that kind of game. But it's clear yeah. that not everything's maybe progressing how KR wants it to at the moment. Hmm. Anyone else got any thoughts on that, Ben? We're getting mixed messages, and and that's generally not a good sign. I don't. I take it as if you know, if he was one hundred percent going to stay, he'd say so. So I think there is a little bit of summer's summer's quite big in in the future. Yeah. I, I think, regardless of what league we're in, I think we've got to we've got to make a statement transfer wise. We'll get back onto this actually when we get to the Shrewsbury reaction, I guess, because there was a bit of, we we asked a question on Twitter and we got some views from the Oxford community. So we'll, we'll go through some of those things when we get to that. Uh, he, he talked, Mr. Mack talked about how loan players, well, the loan players that we've got on board uh, currently would be able to play in the playoffs if we got there. And Jack, I was, I was hoping you would know the answer to this. Apparently there was an issue with some of our loan players in 2010 
Do you know who they were? I don't remember. Well, I'm trying to think who we had left by that time because we'd, we'd signed all those random players in the back end of the season like Francis Green and John Grant and co, but they wouldn't yeah. have got anywhere near the team anyway to actually play. Um, and was was Jake Wright still technically a loan signing at that point? He'd come in January and... Le- I don't, I don't know, but I, I didn't think there'd be any issue with the current loanees being available, um, especially with the whole season-long loan idea. Now, maybe conference yeah. rules were different. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's a weird one. I'm really disappointed you didn't know the answer to that. I thought if anyone would know, it was going <laughs> to be you. I apologise. Um, <laughs> it's all right. Season tickets was brought up. Mr. Matt was saying they'll be released at a similar time to previous years, but obviously pricing will depend on what league we end up in, which is fair enough. And then the standard questions were coming in around the stadium and he just said, in no uncertain terms, no progress that can be discussed at this moment in time. So there you go. The only other bit of news that we we kind of dragged out was that they're closing the covered market shop um, mid-March. I think they were saying week commencing March 16th or something. And it's a bit of a shame that because I think we were saying before we came on the pod, you, you kind of think Oxford's one of those cities that's got such a, big kind of tourist well it's such a big tourist hotspot that you can kind of drag those groups of um school children or whatever into that shop as part of the tour or maybe the club should have done something along those lines to just force people in there but you know i think they were saying that the lease they've been kicked out actually rather than them needing to leave and they kind of said that um who was it lee barton who's the head of retail and ticketing was saying that they were holding their hands up and admitting that the covered market unit has probably not been as commercially successful as they would have yeah. hoped, but maybe put it in a different place, Connor. Where would you put it? Well, I mean, if it ended up in the Westgate, then I reckon we'd do all right. But then the rent cost in the Westgate would be through the roof. So yeah. I just think anywhere anywhere in the city centre of Oxford and like maybe on the high street and stuff, it would, you'd, you'd have more of a chance of getting people through the door and you know, having a bit more foot traffic. But the Covenant Market was never a good location for it, let's be honest. And it was also inside of a barber's. So you had to go through the barber shop to get into it anyway. So it was Is like another... Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely right. Yeah, I've been in that shop many times. Yeah, you All have to right. go through the barber's door to go through into it. So it was just another kind of like barrier to get in. So it's not exactly accessible for everyone either in the place where it is. So, you know, I think if it was moved somewhere into the centre of Oxford on one of those high streets or something, it'd probably do commercially a bit better. But the chances of that happening is pretty slim, I reckon, especially as most of the traffic now is probably online. I was thinking about this. Um, I was in York over the weekend and they've still got an area of the tourist information office. So any tourists going in for maps or where's the Minster kind of pointers... Um, yeah, they can pick up a scarf or whatever. I don't know whether we've explored that, but that seems to be quite a sensible idea. Where's the yeah. minster in York? Just... You can hardly miss it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still surprised. On the pictures, given that I've never actually been down to that shop, on the pictures it looks like it's like a standalone unit and there's like outside space walking around it. So I'm surprised you've got to go through some dodgy barbers and then come out the back of it yeah. into an Oxford shop. I'm yeah, well, anyway. well, you be- yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to explain it. I think I think, I think people who listen. Let's to spend this, 20 minutes talking about <laughs> the coveted market in Oxford. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, hopefully, yeah, they get some retail presence back into the city at some point in time. Um, you know, if we're more successful and we go up this year, then maybe again it's more attractive. So yeah, right. Let's talk about the football. 
so this is a nice game to talk about, which is great. We discussed last week um, how in this fixture last year we came from behind in a game with a red card in it to win 3-2. And it's... imagine if something else, something similar played out this time round. That would be that would be ridiculous. Anyway. Stop uh, giving it away, James. <laughs> 928 Oxford fans went. Obviously, Ben, you were one of them. Congratulations. That's a good, solid number. They made a lot of noise throughout the game. Indeed, great atmosphere. It was. There was a lot of Shrewsbury just fucking moaning the whole way for it. I kind of understood a little bit after the red card, but still, they were just going for everything. Jerome was praising their fans, actually, for giving the refs such a hard time throughout the yeah. whole game. They did, to know. be fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One, one thing he wasn't praising was the drummer. Oh, no. No one likes a drummer. Oh, it's so annoying, isn't it? I've never met someone. Ooh. I've never come come across anyone that's been like, and oh, this is Dave. He's the drummer, and I've never known anyone to be a drummer yet. They exist, but I think Sheffield Wednesday were the only team that kind of pulled it off, and everyone thought that's nice. And ever since, it's been awful for everyone else. Anyway, um, an Oxford victory for us obviously would have made it five straight league wins, and I had no idea um, when that last happened. I think we talked about the last time we had four last time around, um, but the Oxford Mail provided that information. It was in 2008 when we played Farsley, Celtic, York, Woking, Rushton and Ebbsfleet. A simpler time for Oxford United, you might say. Wow. <laughs> I never went to Ebbsfleet. It was one one I missed. But I went to the rest of those. Shame. Um, so we are the third highest scorers in the league coming into that game. We're now second, I think, or at least joint second after it. But we had 58 goals, Rotherham had 60 and 66 to Peterborough. Only Bolton had actually netted fewer times than Shrewsbury. And we talked about how well on the pod last week that we'd actually scored more goals or the same amount of goals, sorry, just in the first half alone than they had, you know, in full full 90 minutes of all of their games. So that was a, an interesting one. They didn't seem to take that into account when the game started in the first half, but we'll get into that. Um, they'd only actually conceded four more than us. So not too shabby in defence going into the game. And I noticed they had 12 clean sheets in 33 matches, which is a really solid record, to be fair. But um, their actual form, when you looked at it on the face of it, their last 13... I know it's a bit of a weird number, but it's significant. I'll tell you why. Last 13 games coming into, into this match, they didn't win in 10. And then they had two wins in their last three where they beat Donny at home, which isn't a bad result at all. Um lost to Tranmere in between beating Bristol Rovers away. So they kind of picked up a bit of form, but Jesus, I kind of understood why some of their fans were a bit down after the game, not really kind of realising that they'd gone 10 without a win coming into the that set of three games. But yeah, frequent scoreline, 10 of their games have finished 1-0 this season. This was not one of them. There you go. So Ben, when you saw the, uh, the lineup, what were you thinking? Nathan Holland... Um, came in for Mark Sykes and Sam Long came in for Anthony Ford at right back. I thought Connor might have a meltdown about Sykes, but <laughs> it turned out he was um, he had a bit of a thigh problem, which KR explained pre-match. But what was the f- the feeling amongst the fans before the game? Uh, that, that's a very strong team. And, oh, it's a whole, it's genuinely strong A team as well, with the bench included. Um, yeah, I think it, that explained Sykes dropping out. I think. The way he's been playing, it's sort of it's harsh on him if he doesn't start. Um, and then long in for for Ford, I think it's just he it seems to be a bit of a rotation thing every couple of games at the moment. Um, 
we'll, we'll talk about how long did later on. But yeah, I, yeah. I, th- I think people are quite happy with that team. He got um, Ford got dug out a little bit post South End, I think. Jack, did he not? I, th- I think people were saying, oh, he doesn't look like a natural fit or a right back. And I was just thinking, well, maybe that's because he's not natural. Well, right yeah, back. that's what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> he, he will he will look un, unsteady um, at right back. I think I think away from home, you probably play Sam Long um, yeah. Ford when we try and attack more at home. So I, I don't mind that. I don't mind him swapping them about depending who the opponent is. Yeah. And um, Brown dropped into into midfield. I think his most impressive performances in recent weeks has been where he's been in that kind of more reserved central role, um, the kind of running from deep. So that that was understandable when we saw him there. But yeah, first half kind of kicked off. Great, really quick start from us. I don't, your view must have been a bit odd of this one where Matty Taylor kind of latched on to that kind of long, hopeful ball from Brown kind of took it past the keeper and I thought it was uh, he was assured to to be able to kind of work with the angle to get it in but kind of put it wide but that was literally one or two minutes in and for the first five minutes you were thinking wow this is going to be absolutely fine and then um, Shrewsbury came right back into it after that they weren't sitting back like the first game obviously they got a lot of stick um, Sam Ricketts got a lot of stick after the first game in terms of their how they approached the game at the Kassam um, Cummings smashed. Cummings was the bloke we talked about it, didn't we? Last pod that did really well against uh, Liverpool in the League Cup with his kind of floppy hair all over the place. Um, but he smashed a shot straight at Eastwood, rebounded around the place. There was a few blocks in there, but then that must have been a warning sign there at that point in time, if you if you recall that. Yeah, he was he was getting plenty of the ball, and uh, we just we just didn't seem to be switching on quick enough to those sort of chances. And uh, yeah, I think that was definitely a warning sign and obviously continued on for 20 minutes yeah. after that. But we didn't really take said warning and 12 minutes in, Cummings kind of flights a, a ball over our centre-backs. Oh, Udo, I want to say, is that right? Udo. 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 Udo, Udo sounds like a toy. Udo. Anyway, Udo gets there first. He kind of managed to put his body in between. I actually, I've watched this back a few times and I thought Dickie was really to blame for this one because it's one of those where the ball's bouncing so much, surely your centre-back's got to get across and just get something on the ball. But it was one of those risky areas where if he kind of takes the man out before the ball, there is a chance with the wrong ref that you're going to get sent off in that situation, especially with the way the kind of Shrewsbury fans ended up being. They could have gone gone right at it there. Um, I think... Ado did really well to put himself between Dickie and the ball, like I said, and didn't want to make the challenge. And it was a well taken goal. Connor, looking back at that, too many complaints, or it was just it was a little bit frustrating to concede to concede um, kind of on the. Well, I mean, I don't know if it was against the run of play in some cases because we we started off really well, like you said, but then obviously conceding conceding relatively early on was a bit of a knockback and a bit of a blow, and I think it was a bit of a. Um, a strange goal to concede, really, with the with the two centre halves and the way they kind of dealt with it. Um, obviously, Dickie being, you know, didn't really want to make a challenge on his man in, instead of uh, potentially bringing him down for a penalty. And it was a, it was a decent finish. And I'm not not entirely convinced. Um, he he probably meant to strike it a bit cleaner than he did. And obviously, yeah. the, the bounce kind of took it away from Eastwood, didn't it? Where it came off the floor. It looked like Eastwood was going to save it. He kind of like flew through, yeah. the air, like just stayed in the air like, for like. Well, yeah, it was like one of those slow motion things, wasn't it? 
Yeah. yeah, and it kind of just nestled in. It was just a bit of a frustrating goal to concede given the time. But I think having looking back at the goal, it's one of those where you think, you know, could you have stopped the ball being? Could you have stopped that initial ball being played over the top a little bit earlier? You know, could you? Could uh, yeah. I think it was? I think it was. I think it was Brannigan. I think uh, I haven't watched it back yet. Um, the probably potentially could have been on his toes a bit quicker and shut down the initial pass, which would have obviously mitigated any of the danger. Um, but thankfully, you know, it's one of these things because of the result now, looking back on it, you're not too worried about it. Yeah, it's fine. doesn't it's matter. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Good. Let's just say good goal. Well done, Shrewsbury. Nice one. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> anyway, the game um, continued on in the same vein after they scored, though, to be fair. And Eastwood made a, a decent, not a difficult save, but he was in the right place at the right time. There's a quick one-two from Shrewsbury. They just cut through our defence with ease. And he was just bearing down on goal on the left. And instead of just whacking it, he just side-footed it kind of tamely into Eastwood. But again, after that, I was thinking, God, if they had scored that, the game had kind of gone based on how the game had, you know, how the game was going for the first 15, 20 minutes. KR did reference the first 20 minutes after the game as well, saying if we played like that against, well, we kind of did against Rotherham at times, right? And then Peterborough was another example. You play like that against better teams and you will get, you will get punished. Um, our first real chance after the Taylor effort early on, we rounded the keeper was from a corner. And I thought actually, Ben, we we looked pretty strong from set pieces throughout and more was constantly kind of on, on the end of these corners. And there was a good effort first half, good save by the keeper. And then second half, there was just an absolute bundle in the box after he got his head on one. He must have thought one of them was going in. Oh, especially the one second half where they just stab it at the keeper. The keeper's already lying on the floor. Yeah. Anything in the air and it's a goal. Uh, but I thought, not just from set pieces, but generally Moore and Dickey were immense in the air. They won pretty much everything. Um, and I think that was a part of the standout standout performances, the long balls just weren't getting anywhere. And yeah, any time a, a decent cross was put in, which to be fair, there weren't actually that many decent crosses we put in in the game. They were yeah. they were definitely threats. Holland, I don't know how unfair this was because there were a few players that weren't massively involved, but Holland didn't seem to be anywhere for the first 20, 25 minutes. But yeah, perhaps it's a bit unfair to call them out, be it that a few players were in a in a, in a similar place. But I think most of our play was going down the opposite flank. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. KR, as I said, wasn't happy with our start. And we weren't really playing, we've talked about it in recent times, that our identity um, that we've had in recent weeks is trying to play through the lines a bit more and trying to dominate possession, dominate the midfield. And we did, we had like 65, 70% possession first half but there was no way that it wasn't just mainly just playing it along the back line that we've talked yeah, about exactly yeah. it wasn't at all progressive in the first half it was actually a very very disappointing first half performance to be honest and I think obviously I know we haven't quite spoke about our goal yet but if it wasn't for that goal I think we would have I personally I think we would have gone in and and you know looking at the game the way it was shaping up we weren't good at all and I imagine even actually despite the goal that we did score I imagine KR ripped into them at halftime and told them to pull their fingers out because it was not a very impressive first half performance at all and we looked really off the pace. Um, and Shrewsbury looked good. Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury had a good half of football. Do you know what I mean? Like they, they deserve the credit that they get from that first half of football. They were the better was, team by far. It was one of them where off the ball, they were they looked damn well. Yeah, they were pressing extremely well and we were absolutely losing the midfield battle. And Jack, we've seen yeah. it in games before haven't we where if teams seem to press us 
especially in the midfield area of the pitch and press us aggressively, then we do tend to just focus on possession in the back line and then potentially go for a long ball. But we've seen it in other games, haven't we? Yeah, it it seems to be our defensive mechanism almost. If we're not having any joy in midfield, revert to passing it about a lot. Um, quite interestingly, talking about the first half possession, I didn't have any updates on the first half at all. Uh, turned my phone back on. And looked, I think the half-time possession stats were something like 62% to us, yeah. 38 to them. They'd had six shots, we'd had two, and obviously scored late on. But, um, it, yeah, it, it's one of them. We we do seem to have this frustrating habit that if we're up against it, we revert to passing it about a lot. And as we'll go on, when we changed it up, um, what we'll touch on in a second, it, it did work. Yeah. Their, so their second goal... Um as if we kind of asked for it. <laughs> we were 2-0 down. Gorin missed an interception. Sam Long kind of backed off and made it... I know there's a bit of contention on this and I always feel like I'm digging out Schlong, as we call him. But um, <laughs> <laughs> he made it quite easy for for Lang to cut in from the left and he, he kind of just got into the box, cut inside, shot near post, no real issue. And it it did remind me, Connor, am I a bit... Actually, I'm not sure if I want to ask you. Ben? Ben, did it remind me. you of that second Burton goal? <laughs> yeah, it did. It's As soon as as soon as soon he, he cuts inside, you just know what's going to happen. You can just sort of see it in slow motion. And then, yeah, the, the missed interception by Gorin is key, but... I mean, I can't blame him for that. You know, he, he went for it. He just missed it. It's one of those things. But yeah, we've got to, we would just, it summed it up. We just weren't closing down quick enough in that first half. And we were just inviting shots and, and one of them's going to go in eventually. We had so many lucky rebounds and deflections that stopped them in the first half. Like yeah. you said, we were asking for it. I know I'm no football manager, but when they watch that game back, I imagine that they would be saying, Sam Long kind of gets his head up, looks around him and checks there's no other Shrewsbury player that he needs to be covering off, realises there's no one there, but doesn't press the guy until he gets in the box. And at that time, it's obviously more risky to be making a challenge. But I, I he had a, you know, we'll get on. Sam Long had a, some really, really good spells during the game. And obviously a couple of times where he was a bit sloppy on the ball. But he, you know, I think largely actually came out of the game um, with more positives than negatives. But anyway, a few seconds after we kicked off from the second goal, I think it was literally like 20, 20 seconds, there was a red card. So Vela, the Shrewsbury player, got his second yellow. Obviously, this was a massive contentious point for the Shrewsbury fans and management and players alike. Uh, Brown did well to kind of get there ahead of uh, Vela, but Sam Ricketts was kind of saying, and I've watched it back a few times, and I kind of understand where he's coming from because he's kind of saying that um, it's actually more of a foul on the Shrewsbury player than, than on Marcus it's, Brown. But yeah. It's definitely more of a foul on Marcus Brown's side of things. Definitely. Yeah. It, I, the, I really can't see how the referee's actually given that as a yellow card. I mean, you can, I mean, the only way I can see it is that he's, Vela hasn't, you know, Vela's the other way and he kind of turns and, kicks yeah. into the on-rushing Marcus Brown. But if you look at the way Marcus Brown's foot's placed, uh, it's actually quite nasty. It looks almost like that he could... Yeah. He could he, Marcus Brown could potentially have hurt Vela with his studs up. Um, when I, when I, not being funny, when I saw the red card come out, I was like... I, I was a bit bewildered by it. I didn't understand who it was for and why, why there was a second yellow and a red card. 
not not I, for me. I agree with Ricketts to be honest. I've had to think about this. It to me it kind of classes as one of those almost accidental yellows. So it's not a deliberate foul. You know, it's not a blatant take one for the team yellow. It's not a accumulation of continuous fouls. It's just a, he's gone to kick the ball and Brown's got there ahead of him. Um, yeah. It reminded me a little bit of a second yellow for Damien Bat at Bradford away a few years ago where he went to volley the ball in midair. A Bradford player got in front of him and he just kicks the Bradford player up in the air. It's just one of them where, I don't know, I think if that had been a first yellow, I don't think anyone would have said anything about it. But because it yeah. was the, the clinching one, I think it becomes the issue. Did you hear what uh, Neil Warnock was on Quest talking about the game? Yeah, and uh, he, he it, Warnock gave the same assessment to every single match that you watch. He went, "Oh, great set of lads there. And, <laughs> oh, they tried really hard." But that's, but yeah, he was going, "Oh, never a never a yellow is that? No, 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 uh, no." Good impression, no. James. I like that. It's almost as Thanks. if Neil Warnock's taken over the podcast. He literally said every every group of players was the best, great set of lads. Fantastic, yeah. oh, especially Cardiff. Oh, Cardiff, yeah. Get them into playoffs. Fantastic. <laughs> anyway. Um, I do love a bit of Neil, Neil Warnock. I do love him. He's hilarious. Yeah, I like, he's great. He's great. Especially that gif where he's you, kind gotta, of just yeah. getting closer to the camera. That's the one and that you then, want. And you see, you see the video when he goes, you got to die to get three points. you got to uh-huh. die to get three points. That's, that's, <laughs> that's Neil Warnock for you. Love it. Anyway, we riled... Anyway, yeah, the, we digress. <laughs> we riled the... Shrewsbury fans even more literally two minutes later where um, Holland went down in the box it looked like a penalty like it was one of them where if he just goes down instantly it's probably a pen um, he didn't go down instantly so it looks like a soft one and uh, yeah lots of sass during and after the game from the Shrewsbury fans I saw on the the Shrewsbury main podcast that they do that they just refer to our players as diving twats um, nice. in their kind of review yeah which I thought was nice I nearly posted something Class. back, but I was like, "No, no, I'm going to hold, hold it. It's fine." <laughs> there was an, enough other Oxford, yeah, enough other Oxford fans just put lots of salty gifts <laughs> and sent it to them, so that was fine. They did the work. Um, yeah, we even after that red card, though, the latter stages of the first half, we were still kind of clearing the ball out and skipping the midfield. It was a bit frustrating to watch, but again, yeah, finishing the half on 65% possession. But it was it was a quite a weird game, and we absolutely that the goal from Marcus Brown, um, what three minutes into first half um, stop, stoppage time, it was the best. I think that could end up being one of the pivotal goals of the. Well, I think it's pretty obvious, isn't it? It is one of the pivotal goals of the season. Um, Definitely, you, you always knew if we were going to get back into the game that we we're going to look back at that goal. Um, in the future, you know, if we finish in the playoffs or autos or whatever, we're going to look back at that as a massive, massive point in time. Great finish, Jack, wasn't it? Brilliant. Um, and his, his kind of hustle and bustle to nick it in off the defender as well. Um, because when that ball's played, you can see where Brannigan's looking to put it, but Brown is second favourite for it all the way. And even at the yeah. point that the Shrewsbury defender gets there, um, it's great all round playing and he stayed calm as well to finish it well. Yeah. yeah, I I I thought I saw um, Matty Taylor kind of slip over as Brannigan played the ball, and I wondered whether Brannigan was aiming for him. And it's one of them where it's not a great ball unless Brown works his absolute socks yeah, off exactly. and gambles. And um, 
yeah, amazing, amazing stuff. And law of averages is that one of those long balls was eventually going to come off, and and it did. So Ben, what was it like in the stands going into kind of half time with that goal back? People's thoughts. Uh, the mood was quite low, as you can expect. Plenty of chirp from the, the Shrewsbury fans right near us, giving us lots of stick. And then it was just a ball of nothing. It, you know, it looked like it had gone. And then all of a sudden, Brown just getting closer and closer. And, and then next thing you know, the ball's in the back of the net. And you think, well, that must have been a tight angle. How did that go in? But going back to what you said about the importance of that, they came out so defensively second half that yeah. only needing that one goal, I think, changed everything. If it was still 2-0 at half time, I think it would have been a lot tougher to get back into the game. But that goal just gave us that energy as well. And we came out second half all guns blazing. Yeah. Mentality-wise, huge, wasn't it? In terms of mentality for for us going in at the end of the half with something to hold on to, you know, something tangible, not just a we need to get we need to have a, a quick start when we go when we go back out there. We actually had you know a tangible output, which was the goal, and it was such a pivotal time to score it. It was again just echoing what the other boys just said. What a goal it was as well! Like fair play to Marcus Brown with his work ethic. Can't fault him. You know- you know when he's a little bit angry, I think he's better. Yeah, he's kind yeah. of got he's... got to a point where he's reined in the kind of sulk. He's definitely still sulks every now and then, but that moment against South End last week where he got he kind of messed up, carried the ball, got tackled, but won the ball back. Yeah. You know, didn't stay on the floor, won the ball back, came back in. He's kind of using the rage in yeah. a positive way he's, now, right? He's like Cameron Brannigan. Brannigan's exactly the same. When Brannigan gets a little chip on his shoulder. He's exactly the same. I think, you know, those. it might be an age thing. They're both very similar ages and, you know, their, their mentalities are pretty similar. I'd probably say that Brannigan's probably got a little bit more of a level head, perhaps, on the pitch. But I see what you mean with what you're saying with, with uh, yeah. Marcus Brown, definitely. So um, I forgot to mention Sykes came on for Holland uh, just after Holland had gone down for that potential penalty. So he tweaked yeah. his hamstring. And after the game, KR was saying that it's good that Woodburn's on his way back because you know that kind of suggests that maybe Holland's going to have an extended period of time out, but we'll have to see. Hopefully not. Go um, on. Can, can we just quickly note um, that Mark Sykes, just before we scored the goal, pulled off an absolutely disgusting nutmeg. <laughs> and he was clearly watching Marcus Brown recently, and that nutmeg made me very happy. Just going to put yeah. that out there. I don't remember it. You have to find a clip of it. Oh, go on Twitter. Go on Twitter. It's already on there. It's it's there. Okay, right now it's right there. It's on our. If account. it's not a roulette, if it's not like his roulette in Newcastle, I'm not having it. Oh, it's pretty filthy. Yeah, anyway, um, we talked a bit about Sam Long. And in the second half, Ben, I noticed that most of our attacking play seemed to be coming down that right-hand side. And it wasn't just Long winning the ball back. Um, I noticed, especially there was one time where two Shrozy players went into a tackle with him and he came out with the ball. <laughs> um, so, so he was making a few good challenges down the right and was showing a lot more confidence in attacking areas. But he seemed to have a much better half. He did, yeah. Second half, attacking-wise, he was, he was much better. He was happy in the space. He was running at their defenders. Uh, tried step overs at one point, so he's clearly he's clearly grown in confidence in that attacking role. Still, still a little bit of work to do on decision making. I think just getting the ball out earlier. He's just a few times where, like you said, the, the, their players were just noticing the threat and closing him down quickly. But plenty of uh, plenty of play down that right hand side, and it just yeah. opened up a lot more space on the opposite flank because the Shrewsbury defenders were being drawn towards him. And generally at the back post, they were, it was generally the free man. So 
even little things like that that you might not spot, actually, he does do quite a good job for the team long. Do you reckon um, he feels mega patronised that you said he tried stepovers as a professional footballer? <laughs> well, I said he tried, tried, he tried. To, tried to beat the man with stepovers. He, he definitely achieved the stepovers just to defend when The defender was just, I'm not having this, I cleared the ball. Oh, that's fantastic. I was just picturing, like, not that any of the Oxford players would listen to this, but they would love that. I find that amazing. Anyway, uh, Aji came on for Gorin on 57 and I looked at that and I was like, Oh, have we gone too early? Like what's, what's the shape going to be? And Sykes ended up dropping deep um, with Henry and Brannigan. So Sykes dropped into the Gorin role and Henry and Brannigan were, were ahead of him and Aji went out wide, right. And a master stroke. I actually thought, I know Sykes had a lot more time than Gorin would have had in the first half, but I, Sykes is so energetic and nimble. Connor's lapping this up that I thought he was really, really good in that position because he could also carry the ball out from deep when he needed to. Um, Had no real fear about the players around him. He just kind of turned quickly to make a bit of space for himself and then progressed with the ball. I thought he was was brilliant there. Um, And I don't think that's something we knew he had in his locker, did we? We haven't seen him really play in that role before. No, but I think the safety net that Brannigan offered allowed him to do that because I think Brannigan's done well when he's been deployed a little bit deeper recently. He's... He's, you know, he's got this discipline, hasn't he, about him, where when he's got a job to do, he'll do that job. And obviously, the way Brannigan <clears throat> played uh, in the second half when, when we, we changed the system kind of allowed Sykes to, to go and pull off some of those little runs and, and link up the play nicely. Yeah. So, you know, Brannigan, uh, uh, other players allow someone like Sykes to do that and they deserve credit for that. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, yeah, Aji was on for, what, two minutes and then he decided to just do something fantastic. But yeah, weird. I was wondering whether James Henry wants to claim the assist for kind of falling over and passing the ball to Aji in the build-up to this. It was like the players were getting kind of crowded out in the box. So you were just thinking, God, this chance is gone. But Daniel Ebenezer Kwasi Aji decides to strike an absolutely tremendous what did the guy? I'm not going to repeat what oh, someone yeah. referred to it as on Twitter. <laughs> oh, it was oh, definitely fun- not safe for air. No, but oh. let's just say it was a thunder sea bomb. If anyone can work out what it was, of a shot, yeah. um, curled <laughs> over their their keeper, who I thought was a bit dodgy anyway. Their keeper, but there was no way, even if he was um, Peter Schmeichel, that he was going to save that. Um, yeah, what a goal, Ben! I bet that was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, behind the behind the goal. It was a sensational R1 circle curler into the top corner. <laughs> it just, as soon as he came on, though, there was energy. There was something different from Adji. I really do think he changes the game when he comes on. It's so skillful, but yeah, he just, it, it didn't look on the shot and he just found half a yard of space, curled it in. It looked like it was going over and it dipped right at the end. And yeah, knee slide, he's getting the celebration spot on. Oh, he loves yeah. it. Good, it was good uh, knee slide. Yeah, right in front of the fans, he just he couldn't take a smile off his face after that. He's one of them that seems to have a good attitude with being a sub. Like he understands his place in the squad, and he he's now giving something back to the team as well. And yeah, I like in in any post match interview when he's referring to it, referring to his kind of role. He's very understanding as to as to what he brings to the side. But yeah, he just brings that little bit of something different, doesn't he? He's never quite sure what he's going to do. And John said in pods in the past that he. You kind of you get off your seat because you're you're hopeful he's going to cut in and un- unleash something with that left foot. 
Yeah, and uh, also I think it, you can you can see from the other players' reaction as well. They appreciate the role he has as well. You know, like Taylor was one of the first ones up to him. Just a bigger smile. They're they're just as happy for him as as he is for scoring that goal. And I think that just shows what a good team spirit we've got. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And he also finally he pulled off a decent celebration from his goal as well. Decent knee slide for Raji. The thing is, is bless him. Every time he scored, it's basically been an equaliser, hasn't it? Other than there's one at South End, and he hasn't really had time to celebrate. He's kind of just like ran and picked the ball up. So it's actually quite nice that he, he had a bit of a celebration as well. I like How many has he got now? Slide. South this, End. Is this, is this three or four? Oh yeah, Burton. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he scored. Yeah. He scored now a couple of important goals, hasn't he? He has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, He's done well. Fair play so we had. We had over half an hour to go and get the winner, and you were thinking the momentum's absolutely with us. Shrewsbury did look a bit dangerous on the counter at times, and I was still nervous watching the game. I was, you know, you, you liked being. I couldn't be comfortable. I wasn't comfortable. I don't know what. It's kind of easier when you're in the, the stadium, I guess, Ben. But there was definitely one counter that they had where they had one. Blo- I think like four or five of our players seemed to just fall over. They like progressed over the halfway line, and you just thought, oh shat they had a player like, marauding through on the right hand side and luckily whoever was the guy on the ball just didn't see him he didn't play it to the right but he literally was in acres of space um the ball made its way to that udo guy who obviously was quite a tidy player he looked offside but got shot away good save from eastwood that was the only real danger that we had in that remaining half an hour but I was still absolutely cacking myself i don't know ben if you, you remember that moment but yeah i i was just thinking oh, it's going to be that one where we've had 20 shots in this half, they've had one and they're going to score from that one and it's going to be agony. But I, I, I agree with what you're saying. With half an hour left, you're thinking, oh, well, we can easily go on and take this. I, I think we actually took the foot off the gas a little bit after the goal. We just seemed to, yeah. just that sort of cutting pressure was gone and we were quite happy to pass it around the back again and be very patient, which actually isn't always a bad thing. But we were still piling men forward, but just not having that quick pace. So we were very vulnerable on the on the break but thankfully really there was only that one big chance otherwise we we didn't really ride out need to ride our luck that much no and we didn't actually create that much in that half an hour either like Shrewsbury were pretty disciplined with their defending uh we had a pe- potential penalty shout that was actually given as a free kick against us when I think a corner or a free kick came in and Dickie kind of got bundled over in the box and then the ref just gave them a free kick I didn't understand that at all um but our only real chance Ruffles broke down the left crossed it like a drilled cross for for Henry who came onto it and I I think that was the one where we thought that was just on like heading towards 80 minutes and Henry dragged the shot wide and you're thinking god we're not going to be able to do this I'm starting to think you know a point is still decent it's still hard to play against 10 men um but we didn't have to really worry about that in the end because 88 minutes we get that free kick. Um, Brown stepped out, stepping over it. KR said after the game that he wasn't sure if Brown was just going to try one of his kind of, you know, he likes a shot, doesn't he? Does Marcus Brown. And he likes the glory. So you're wondering whether or not it's going to be, he's going to have an effort. But absolutely beautiful cross. Um, as soon as it left Brown's boot, Jack, it, it looked like, you know, someone was going to get on the end of that. Yeah, it, it was screaming... Um, back post header please wasn't it and Josh Ruffles came up with what I referred to as a door slam header that once he's heading it, it does, does, it's not in doubt that door's slamming the ball's going in the net job done and he, he 
He managed to land so well, Ruffles, that he could continue his run into his celebration, which I was yeah. quite impressed yeah. by. That's what you want. There was that amazing video, wasn't there, on um, Twitter of someone that was just like right next to the, you know, right behind the goal on the bottom level and just ends up in the celebration <laughs> with the players. It was yeah. so good. Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? It was a fantastic free kick and a great header from Ruffles. And like you say, Jack, it was just screaming for someone to get on the end of that one. It was a great ball in from from Brown. And I have to say, I, I seem to say this pretty much every week now, but I went absolutely berserk when that went in this time round. I mean, I said, neighbours, Christ, another murder's been going on in my bedroom because I was screaming my nut off when that went in. What, what, just what a time to score. And we did, I, I agree with what Ben said just a minute ago about taking a foot off the gas. There was a point where I was thinking this isn't going to happen for us today. Yeah, um, yeah. Because we kind of just, we weren't creating any clear-cut chances. It was looking a little bit lacklustre and it just took that, little bit of quality from a set play and we don't score many goals from set pieces so you know coming up like that it was it was fantastic and, and what a goal it was in the end KR actually said after the game that we have the worst ratio in the league in terms of set pieces and getting a goal basically mm. um so there you go that was a good time to kind of try and address that Ben how were your shins or like how many limbs of yours kind of flew up in the air when you were there <laughs> uh, most of them my shins, shins aren't too bad, but yeah, ended up two or three rows away from where I started. Your usual late celebration. Everyone's just full of joy and just so relieved as well that you know we, we've managed to get the three points. And, and also then it can give the stick back to the Shrewsbury fans who were chirping up yeah. when they were 2 up. Absolutely. I, I, it's so lucky to get to one of those games. I guess you, you, if you go to every game, you're always going to get them. But I didn't get to Charlton and I missed... That I missed the Shrewsbury game and I'm sad. So I'm desperate for one of those kind of comeback last minute winners. I think I don't remember the last one I went to. Even even not being able to watch it live, just the emotion yeah. that the emotion that grips you when those sort of things happen. That is what football is all about. When those sort of moments happen, that is what make you know as a football fan who you support your team passionately. There's nothing better than a goal like that in a football match. Yeah, the feeling. I, even as I even I'm sat watching it on TV in Belfast on my own. The feeling that that goal gave me was just beyond anything. <laughs> it was I know brilliant. it does. It is amazing so being good. able to watch it, isn't it? It's amazing being it able is. to watch it. I, I went out. Oh, I don't. I think I just was doing somersaults in my living room. I just couldn't go. It was amazing. Right, and someone put a note in the the notion notes about KR and the coaching staff deserving credit as they changed the shape a few times. Was that you, Connor? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I stuck it in particularly just because of um, again we we touched upon it about with Sykes and Brannigan becoming a two in, a, in almost like a a four two three one system and then towards towards the uh, as the second half progressed when Aji came on and, and kind of the way we 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 threw caution to the wind a little bit and I think it does take it does take you know pardon the uh, the the phrase but it, it takes some balls to make some decisions like that in a game um quite as quite as close as it ended up being. Um and I think I think the coaching staff do deserve a bit of credit for the way that they uh conducted themselves in terms of the changes yeah. at the right time and the players in the right positions because that ultimately is their decision and they made the right choices and it paid off. So I you know as 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 well as the players played, the coaching staff and, and KR deserves a bit of credit for that. And I, I'm always the first person to, to kind of jump on that. So fair play to yeah. them. 
fair play indeed. So after the after the game, in terms of reaction, uh, whilst KR was talking to Radio Oxford, someone in the Shrewsbury stand just shouted "prick" in the background, <laughs> and I think KR started laughing and just said, "Idiot fans, Jesus." Um, anyway, he was saying that we kept our d- discipline extremely well during the game. Couldn't agree more with that. Be it that the fans were all over the ref, and you know every challenge we were making was under massive scrutiny. Um, he understood why Shrewsbury were angry about the second booking, which we talked about earlier. As I said um, before, first 20 minutes, not happy with that. Could be three, four down um, against better teams. Um, but yeah, I said it was magical that we got five wins on the spin. Um, the main thing, um, and again, we talked about it at, right at the beginning of the pod. Um, Nathan's, I think, Jack, you've kind of said it well, that it was an awkward time to be asking um, this question. But yeah, he said, have you, Nathan from Radio Ox- Oxford said, have you had a chance to talk to the board about what's, happening going forward KR's response was not really no but where we're at right now we've got a lot more work to do and my focus is solely on trying to get this team to as high a position as possible and he said the season keeps getting more and more exciting whatever happens now I've always said to you this will be this will be a year of my life I won't forget I've loved every second of it and I've loved being part of Oxford United a lot of people after the um game that were kind of calling into Radio Oxford and stuff were referring to past tense and saying keep saying loved as if something's coming to an end if you know what I mean um, uh, maybe people overanalyze things yeah but I, reach, I, in my opinion he, he did say as his final point and this is important let's get to the summer and we'll see what we're all trying to achieve then um, people do overanalyze things and yeah I definitely think we are some of those people <laughs> but I think oh, there's two si- yeah, we definitely are that's kind of why we're here, right? But there's two yeah. sides to this. It's either you kind of the board, like KR should be given um, clarity on the club's position in terms of our ambition, be it if we don't get up this season, what are, what's our ambition for League One next year? And if we do get to the championship, are we a fighting relegation team or do we want to consolidate a position there and aim for mid-table? Um, you would just hope that, be it, and I know this is a weird reference point, but I looked back at our pod notes from December. And do you remember that weird fans forum where it was at the training ground and people were asking questions like, what's the recycling strategy for the club and all sorts of shit like that. I do, by the way, recycling is very important. James, Sorry. James, your, Sorry. Your, James, your language has been appalling this episode. <laughs> please hold it down. Because you are yes, seriously Connor. upsetting me. Okay. Anyway, you. the point I wanted to make is that Niall... <laughs> or Mr. Mac um, was referring to the fact that the club had multiple plans in place for pre-season if we got to the championship or if we remained in League One or if we're in the playoffs versus the autos. like Different options for how we'd approach pre-season. So you'd at least think we're doing something similar when it comes to recruitment or kind of setting those ambitions based on how the, the season ends. But yeah, loads of people got in, kind of responded to that thread on Twitter People, Jill was saying nine games left. We don't know what league will be in yet. We don't know who will, who will be leaving yet in terms of the current playing staff. We don't know who will be signing yet. What's the you know what is there to discuss now that's going to change the outcome of the next nine games? And then that was obviously that seems very pragmatic and sensible. But on the flip side of that, people are saying we should have a plan in place plus you know an idea on what the budget will look like depending on what league we're in. That was Matt Bruce's response to that. Andy Wilmer got you know put his 
put his thoughts on it as well. He was saying, Andy's obviously Andy from the pod, by the way, that he'd like to think um, that he would at least been told what his budget will be and the board have an idea of that based on yeah, remaining in League One or playing the championship. I guess that's similar lines to what I've just said. Um, and loads more people kind of got in, you know, got in touch on that. And it, there was just people saying, leave it until the season's over or yes, make sure, give Carl some kind of clarity on what, what the club's looking to do going forward. I don't really know what, side I'm on for this I don't I don't know if preemptive conversation is is useful I'm not I'm not entirely convinced we should be talking about budgets and things anyway because between now and the beginning of next season there could be a lot of things that change uh, in terms of let's just say for example broadcasting money that sort of thing that that could hugely affect where money is distributed and those are sort of things that aren't actually been decided yet so yeah but they must know yeah they must have an idea there'd be a baseline figure i imagine yeah but i just i'm not convinced that as i don't know i just think as fans i don't think it's worth the conversation to be honest well this this was the point i was going to make is that actually if they had all sat down had a meeting at whatever point and said oh carl if we go up you're gonna have this much would we expect him to come out in public and say yeah i know what i've got to spend next year I don't think exactly. we would, but it seems to be a very Carl Robinson thing that he likes to <laughs> um, kind of state yeah. that everything is right or everything is wrong or a bit hazy, whereas other managers we've had haven't really commented on it too much. It's kind of gone off in the background and yeah. it only plays out in a bad way, say a manager resigns or whatever. But KR does seem to like to encourage questions, which I think is why Nathan brought it up, because it was... Was it the South End game afterwards? He gave a bit of a funny interview. Yeah, um, yeah. So it, it, it's a strange one because I think actually, if they have a big conversation, do we need to know that they've got three possible plans? I don't think we particularly uh, are concerned. Um, I agree. Just just it's... on just on that, that I I think Kr's kind of point of view, or me trying to second guess him, is that he's been in the championship before and had this kind of or we'll give you a budget to survive type thing at MK Dons. And I think he's more ambitious than that. I don't think he would be happy with a, or we'll just try and scrape through to stay up kind of approach. And it might be a bit of public um, play in the game to try and encourage the board to put more money in the coffers or something. But yeah, it's it's all quite a strange um, game going on almost. I, I do think he could put a lot of this to bed by saying... I think what he said was actually pretty reasonable, the spur of the moment type thing. But yeah, he could definitely just avoid the line of questioning or stop the line of questioning by saying something different. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, ben, any final thoughts on that? It's a tough one. Uh, I think, yeah, you almost want him to just say, look, we've got a plan in place let's just focus on the rest of the season and that'll just put it to bed rather than it just sort of just saying just enough to keep it sort of dragging out. And then, you know, we can get yeah. a bit carried away, not just us on the pod, but the fan base as a whole. Yeah. I'd like just to sort of put that to one side and let's just focus on the next nine games. Yeah. Yeah. Chaos um, K- bought into the model, isn't he? He's bought into the model. He knows what the model is. He knows it's all about sustainability and not going above and beyond our means. And, what we, I think, I forget where I where I heard this thing. It was on Five Live, but they were saying the average um, salary in the championship now is eleven grand, and I don't know what 
our players will be on, but it won't be near that, right? On average. No, um, it won't be. So that shows you that, you know, to be competitive in that league is is really something. It's a different ball game altogether. And so I get what you're saying, Jack, about the MK thing, but I still think if KR's ambitions are to be a top half championship side or a team that wants to be around mid table consolidating position, that's a that's a tall ask for, for anyone for any board to commit to something along those lines now is is a is really difficult to do, isn't it? So I don't know. Anyway, uh, we should move on because we're near the end of uh, the hour and we're nowhere near done. <laughs> Standard, right? Standard. One. Right, League One summary. Rather than my voice dominating all the things, what results stood out for the people? Coventry winning again. That's um, just standard. They're just a it? machine. They've only lost three times. I hadn't realised this. I was looking at the table. They've lost just three times, which is hats off to them, to be fair. I think the the Lincoln game stood out for me as well a little bit. What was that, 3-2? Against Burton, yeah. Yeah, I think I mean, that's that, a very good performance for them. Beating Burton, yeah, that's just a decent team. It's, I know it's just a mid-table mediocrity game. I know, Who gives a crap about that? I know, but I'm giving credit to Map. Um, I um, okay, did... Okay, Gillingham's, Gillingham's late equaliser against Sunderland. Was the yeah, that and me, everything that about that. The fact it was yeah. an ex-Sunderland player, the fact it's Steve Evans, the fact he would have been winding <laughs> them up all afternoon, the fact they chucked it away, the fact yeah. he went above them, just... Yeah, brilliant. The fact, the, the fact that it was a great goal as well on the 96th. Yes, minute. yeah. It was an absolute cracker of a left foot strike. And yeah, fair play because it must have, it must have, <laughs> the Sunderland fans, there was like 29,000 in the stadium, must have been fuming. And I quite like the fact that Sunderland fans are fuming. So, yeah. yeah. We'll get to see it on the next Netflix documentary. Um, I saw Fleetwood were held at home to Blackpool, you know, the local Flyde. Is it the Flyde Coast? Have I made that Filed. up? Filed. Filed, that's it. Can't say it. <laughs> um, and then the other big result was Rochdale um, beat Rotherham 3-1 and Rotherham's goal was the 92nd minute consolation. Their pitch looked absolutely horrendous yeah. if anyone saw that in the highlights. I'm not looking it forward was. to our game there. It's it's going to be a really tough ask against them, you know, because they it seemed especially from the watching the the, the game against Rotherham, they know how to play on that pitch, and it's very very direct. And I feel like that's something that we're not particularly strong at, and it's going yeah. to be it's going to make for a very tough game. Um, yeah, I think we watch out for that fixture definitely. Just just touching on Rotherham as well. This shows how you can manipulate stats both ways, but they've now. Uh, only won one from their last five. Um, but equally, yeah. they've only lost one from their last five, but they're having a little bit of a wobble. Um, so they're, yeah. you know, I think Coventry are probably gone now, but Rotherham are definitely uh, catchable. I don't think, I don't, Coventry, and we'll, we'll touch on it in a second, have not an easy run in. Um, I don't think anyone really does, but we'll, we'll get to that in a sec. The other result, um, South End. I thought this was notable because obviously they gave us a tough game last week. But South End beat Bristol Rovers three-one at home, and all of their the average age of their scorers was nineteen years old. So fair play, Sol. Um, another otherwise, Tranmere have kept kept it reasonably interesting at the bottom by getting another win um, away at Accrington. So they had a good traveling traveling support there. So decent. 
Um, what a difference five games makes, Ben. I'm worried you're a Dalek, by the way. I heard a Dalek tone. Oh, Say oh, something. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, it's all over. The Dalek has returned. Ben, you might just have to listen and just do the odd noise every now and then. Ben, 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 just give us an exterminate, please. Exterminate. (laughs) Anyway. This is what the listeners are here for. (laughs) Nothing Um, else. So on 30 games, so we've now played, what, 35 games. When we played 30, we were... 11th in the table, 45 points. Obviously, five wins out of five puts us on 60. So we've gone from 11th um, and then five games later, we've gone to third. And it, that is, it's incredible, isn't it, Jack? Like, I I haven't been, I just, I'm too excited and I keep looking at the table and I need it, to stop looking at it. It's crackers. And to be, even yesterday, you suddenly take two points off us, just taking the draw, we'd be down in ninth, I think, eighth. So it was just up and down all day yesterday. Um, and yeah, I think we're on such an upward trend that you can't not be looking at that second place and above if we think Coventry are catchable. Um, but equally, we, teams have got games in hand and come midweek we could end up back outside the playoffs again. So it's it's all going to change plenty of times between now and the final whistle on May the 3rd. Yeah. How many teams on 59 points? One, two... Three, four, five. That's just crazy, isn't it? That's just mental. Scary. Um, yeah. I I still think Coventry have got to have some kind of blips. Like, looking at the run-in then, um, they've still got... I think Wickham are going to flop flop out of it. And, I, you know, I don't want to eat my words there, but they're already down I, to eighth I now. I really um, hope so. Yeah. Coventry have got Shrewsbury next, and I still don't think that's an easy game. Um, Lincoln away isn't going to be easy. Wickham at home, obviously, you know, maybe that shouldn't be treated as a red. We put, um, for anyone listening, on our Twitter account, we put something with the League One running and we kind of categorised the games based on difficulty. Um, so take a look at that. But we've got Wickham categorised as a difficult game, but I think Coventry will, will make light work of them at home. But even Accrington away is not easy. And then they've got four games in a row, Peterborough, uh, Gillingham, us, and then... Blackpool and then actually Burton so they've got five games in a row there that are not not easy before finishing the season at Wimbledon the reason I'm putting so much emphasis on Coventry is because I want to win the league (laughs) 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 I I still honestly believe I I know auto seemed ridiculous obviously two three weeks ago but that's got you know surely that's what the players are going after now that's probably what all of the top um kind of the top six seven eight are, are all going after now as well be it that there there's three points between eighth and second it's just nuts there's a big big game on tuesday portsmouth fleetwood which I, yeah I, I mean i don't know what we want from that do we want a draw I'd, yeah draw at least they Why both not? can't win their game in hand that's that's the one positive from it yeah yeah definitely and um is it, did anything, I guess, looking at the run-in, it looked like Rotherham's um, kind of finale was was the toughest. So Coventry's looked difficult. But actually, Pompey and Rotherham had the hardest set of games on paper. But as this weekend that's just gone has proved, paper means jack all, doesn't it, really? Like, uh, anyone anyone in this league with a decent performance can um, 
can really come on top on any any given day and uh I guess Jack, we both tried out the League One kind of predictor, didn't we, to try and see how we'd get on with that. Our, mine was absolutely ridiculous, and I came out with like no teams losing, um, well, <laughs> Oxford scraping through with. But I had us finishing sixth with seventy-eight points, which makes just no sense based on historical see, stats. I had us finishing fifth with seventy-seven, and I've just I've just looked at the table now and what I predicted just to see what I thought teams were getting. So I've got us getting 17 from our last nine games, which is definitely achievable. But then the teams above us, I've got Pompey getting 25 points from their last 10, which is pretty ambitious. I've got Sunderland getting 24 from nine, which again is madly ambitious. Yeah. Um, I've got Wickham getting 11 from 10. So you can see where my hatred went into there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I... <I'd... sighs> I'd, all these predictions and stuff, I just think, as you just said, yesterday's results were so kind of uh, topsy-turvy that I'm just going to do my own head in if I keep predicting stuff and looking at it again. So I'll just yeah. uh, wait till May the 3rd when we've won the league and then that's fine. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what, one, thi- one thing I did notice um, this weekend as well, looking at the championship table, is that the bottom three teams are Barnsley, Luton and Charlton, which were obviously the teams that went up last year. Um, Barnsley look like they're probably done, be it that they're seven points off, but you never know. Luton are going to struggle as well. And then it's you know there's only three points between Charlton and then Hull, Wigan, Middlesbrough, Huddersfield and Stoke. Hull look like on an absolute downward spiral. Hull, so maybe Hull have won teams. once in 2020. Have they? Yeah. Yeah, uh, my dad went to Hull versus Leeds last week, um, and he was saying to me that the difference between us and the bottom teams in the Championship is pretty big, and then Leeds were just on another planet in comparison. He says the Championship is so much better than League One, even those teams that are getting beat every week are still quite a lot better. I think yeah. I think we really would have a tough time of it going up, think- but you, you've got to take the challenge on. Yeah, I think as a team like Oxford who have not been at that level for a long time and have not had the financial um, rewards of playing at that level for a long time, yeah. it would be a significant uphill battle for us to stay in that league. So yeah. when we previously spoke about you know, wanting to establish ourselves as a championship team, it's it's so fictitious to start talking about that because just financially, it would be such a strain on the club to even maintain themselves as a championship side if we got promoted. And I've said it before in previous podcasts that I would much rather have a sustainable football club playing in League One than having a club that ends up going tits up because we overspent trying to stay in the the championship and end up going into a spiral of debt. So it's a very fine line to walk. And this is why I back the board when they start talking about sustainability and making sure that this football club survives wherever, whatever league it's in. That's why I personally would side on that side of things rather than going for the gun ho type, you know, let's get promoted. Let's do this. Let's do that type approach to football. Um, I think, I think we do have, I think we do have on board, on board. That's an ironic statement. Um, But we do have (laughs) in our board, we have a very strong group of individuals. I think personally that have the, the qualities to navigate our, our um, promotion if we do go up. I think, I think I think we're in the right hands personally. The other the other scary thing just to touch on it there is outside of the bottom three, 
who were obviously all the League One promotion winners last year, the next five in Hull, Wigan, Borough, Huddersfield, Stoke, I think all five of them have been in the Premier League within the last four seasons, is it? So so they get get parachute payments. Yeah, and yet they're still struggling like that. Connie, you you made the point there, though. It's like, with a bit, with like, if your recruitment is, is extremely clever and your coaching and your tactics are are on point, then you can end up, if you sustain a position in the championship over a period of like four or five seasons and you start to get the influx of money, then then you can become a Brentford. But until then, you can't. Because Brentford are not, you know, too dissimilar to ourselves in terms of the size of the club. And if we're in the championship, I think we'd be pulling in, I think they get, what, nine, ten thousand at home? Am I being unfair there? Maybe twelve? Yeah, I'm not sure. Twelve plus. But... And they're about to move stadium, aren't they? But they are, yeah. regardless, you're right. I think the first couple, the first like year, two years, three years is the, is the big, is the really big test. And then if your manager is performing and keeping you in that league, then your manager's gone because, yeah. you know, there'll be another team in the championships that's like, right, there's, well, we can give him some more resources here. There's right. certainly an element of luck that's involved in this. I don't care what anyone says and so whether you believe in luck or not, there's, there's a strong element of it in my opinion in terms of getting a club that's can like us to, to maintain ourselves in the championship in terms of player recruitment you know you, you can you can get that on point but at what point do clubs who are also in the championship who have more resources than you come in and swipe players that you've been scouting or had on your radar for a, a long period of time and you know, these yeah. things do happen and maintaining players based on wages and, and drawing in perhaps higher quality players from other championship sides is not easy for a club like like Oxford if we got into the into the championship. Trying to have that you know that real appeal to come and play for your football club when you've got other clubs in the league who may have slightly more appeal than you. You know, you become yeah. you become the bottom, you know, we, at the moment we're we're in the top the top teams in League One and, and players might want to play for us. But we go to the championship and we suddenly become bottom of the pile. So you know, it's. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I don't want Oxford to get promoted. I'm not saying that. It might seem like I am. Um, I just think there's an there's an awful lot to consider. That if it did happen, it might not always be uh, roses. You know, I think it'd just be great fun anyway. I, I, I oh, it would be great. Love fun, yeah. going to. Yeah, it's going to be. Great of course, it would it be. Happens. It'd be a fa- it'd be fantastic to go and play against some big teams in the championship. Of course, it would be, be brilliant. Just think, yeah, behind the scenes, it would be it'd be a a headache I think for a lot of people yeah all the loans but then that's their job many many loans yeah but then that's their job isn't it so you know yeah that's their job and as long as they sustain our football club that's all that matters to me Ben are you with us Ben I think it says he's failed in life in general (laughs) (laughs) he's on mute um anyway right let's preview um MK Don's got a bit carried away there didn't we was, we uh, did we did i think I, I do think every pod until the end of the season we're going to end up going through the running and yeah. keeping a, a little bit of an eye on what's going on in the league yeah. above in terms of we, who might be coming down but we'll yeah, see we, we make no apologies for our for our little rants that we have because at the end of the day that's what we do it for is to talk about football and you know everyone appreciates it i'm sure um yeah. and now unfortunately everyone's got to listen to my voice again while i preview mk dance um so yeah, our, our next game is on Saturday the fourteenth, and uh, and it's obviously as Russell Martin brings 
brings MK down the road to to the Kassam. Um, in terms of recent form, then for for MK Dons, they currently sit eighteenth um, in the league standings and sixteenth overall in the League One form table. Uh, the last six games, they've only picked up six points with uh, one win in those six games against Bolton. Uh, three draws against uh, Rotherham, Shrewsbury and Lincoln, respectively. Um, and also two losses against Pompey. And most recently was yesterday's uh, 1-0 loss to, to Doncaster. And um, it was, from the highlights that I've watched of this game, it was a classic kind of smash and grab for Doncaster at Stadium MK. And I think Milton Keynes definitely had the better of the play from what I'd seen. And, and I think it was probably quite hard done by, actually, for them losing it looked game. It looked like a shat game. I watched the highlights of that as yeah, well. Yeah, it didn't look great, but I do think MK probably edged it uh, in yeah. terms of the chances. Um, but they have a very poor away record, which obviously contrasts quite well with our strong home record. Um, they, they've only won once away from home this season oh, out of the 17 games. No. I know, I know. I, I, I thought this. <laughs> um, and they, out of those 17 games they've played away from home, they've lost 10 of them. Um, so their, I say their away record is not great, but as Jack's just said or moaned, um, <laughs> uh, that might go out the window. Let's hope it doesn't. Um, they also have a bit of a, a bit of an average goal scoring record this year, this season as well. They've only averaged one goal a game. Um, they've scored thirty six goals this season, and they've conceded forty six. Um, Reese Healy is is by far and away their top goal scorer this year with eleven goals. With uh, Alex Gilbury, uh, only on five. So, you know, not the most prolific in the league. Um, and obviously that reflects their league position as they've obviously not been able to find the net on uh, regular occasions this year. Um, having said that, though, I think I think our boys will certainly be up for revenge as obviously we fell to a 1-0 away defeat to Stadium MK in December. And if I remember correctly, some of you boys travelled to that. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. That was, it was- terrible <laughs> yeah it was one of our one of our poor performances this year um in terms of their setup then they they've deployed the a kind of four four one two one two diamond formation um quite a few times this season overwhelmingly actually they according to website where i get some of the data from they've they've done it for over half their games this year um and and note how um jordan Hewton in, in midfield has got the highest number of assists for them. So he might be someone to keep an eye on. And he kind of plays in that deeper role, kind of a Alex Gorin um, spot. And he's so he's come up with quite a few assists this year. So he might be someone to, to keep an eye out on. Also, they've um, they've got an average possession stat of 52% this season, which I thought was quite interesting. So perhaps, you know, expect them to have quite a bit of the ball on Saturday. Um, and let's just hope that doesn't really translate into anything. Um, yeah. I do, I do think that the wide areas will play a key part in this game. As from the highlights I've watched of MK this year, they they defend really narrow. I think something that our wide men could certainly exploit going forward. Um, but that's pretty much it for for MK. There's not too much else to talk about. So, on to the the business end of things. What what do we think for score predictions, um, Jack? What do you think, mate? Uh... Well, until he had said about their away record, I was quite confident, but I'm probably just being uh, historically <laughs> pessimistic. Um, I think we'll win 3-1. Uh, I think it'll be a bit nervy and tight, but we'll kind of seal it in the last 10 minutes or so. Um, Taylor, Brannigan, and I've just changed my mind. I reckon Rob Dick is, Dick is going to score 
He hasn't scored yet this season, so he's due one. I'll uh, I'll make sure my mate keeps sticking his one pound bet on Rob Dickey to score, <laughs> as Jack's giving him a tip, tips him off. Um, what do you reckon, James? I do you know what they're not safe yet, no, so it's not. not I, I was hoping they had no, nothing to play for, but they played thirty five games on thirty seven points. Tranmere have played two games less on twenty nine, and they've hit a little bit of. Form. They've won their last two, I think. So they're not safe. They've still got something to play for. Um, having said that, I'm confident we should be all right in this. I, I think we can't mess this game up if we if we've got real aspirations to be. This, I think if especially if we want to be going after the autos, got to win two nil. I'm going to say uh, Taylor and a James Henry penalty, as per nice. tradition. Nice. I don't think. I don't think Ben's here to answer it, but oh no, he's put in. He's put in, in the yeah, notes. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say I could see it in the notes. Yeah, he's uh, he's gone with a four-nil home win. Win, very ambitious, Ben. He's gone Strong. with Ta- Taylor scoring twice, Brannigan and Brown on the score sheet. Um, I've I've gone with a classic Oxford United home win, a three-nil, uh, as we've established this year with uh, Henry Brown and Taylor on the score sheet. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. Hopefully, one of us will be right because we've all gone for a home win. So, I know oh, that makes me nervous. I do like that we. You're have always nervous. <laughs> you're constantly nervous. You make me nervous by saying you're nervous. Stop saying yeah. you're nervous. <laughs> I like. I feel less nervous knowing that we have a week of prep before every game. Definitely, definitely. right. Yeah. You know, like our bet, our better players are going to be well rested for every one of these games going forward yeah. which is yeah. I think will make a huge difference um, sweet thanks Connor uh, in terms of what we're doing next week then so obviously we'll be reviewing MK Dons and then what we'll be previewing we'll be previewing Wickham who haven't given us any more tickets the bad people there I'm trying to curb my language Yeah. Um, well, how many have we got 1800 or something yeah a bit yeah. of gamesmanship there isn't there they gave Sunderland more they gave Ipswich more they gave someone else more it's uh, yeah. comes back to the whole noisy neighbours thing a few seasons ago. They really tried to big up this derby against us. Well, that's annoying. Well, let's anyway. hope that the uh, the one thousand eight hundred that do travel come back with big smiles on their face when we smack them. So, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, we'll thank Ben later. He's probably in his TARDIS somewhere. But thanks to Ben for joining for a bit. <laughs> Uh, Connor, cheers. <laughs> cheers, mate. And nice one, Jack. See you later. And we'll see you later. Thanks for listening. Free kick. Ruffles! 3 2 Oxford United! Ah.